Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends, this is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Hello, it's episode number 12, and I'm excited to be here today with a repeat guest, Whitney Flygar. We will be discussing the book, The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Take two. (laughs) Whitney (laughs) Flygar returns. Return of the Whitney. (laughs) Oh, well, we get to hear a fun fact again. Okay, so my fun fact. I worked part-time at a sushi bar Mm -hmm. and part-time at a car shop gutting old vans so i would go (laughs) i love that face so good it's just so good i just can't really see you gutting a car actually do you know what though i think i can (laughs) i think i can see both (laughs) and i love that you can i love that you can fix a car yeah because well that you can take one apart and fix is a loose term it doesn't always happen correctly but but you can probably check your oil and change your tire oh yeah those two for sure I can do. Yeah. I can even change my own oil. Can you really? Yeah. That's amazing. See, and I feel like because my car has been like dying for so long, um, that I learned lots of things about cars <laughs> out of necessity. Like if I'm driving, okay, I'm, if you're driving down the road and the windshield wipers start going, use the needle nose pliers that I put in your door <laughs> and take out. That's a true story. That's, that is an awesome that story. Awesome? Yeah. Yes. Every once in a while. So, but, you know, that's a good fun fact. Yeah. So we're talking about the great believers. So good. Oh. First of all, it's a really unique topic. It's not something that I've read about in, in fiction, historical fiction before, and that's the AIDS pandemic. I had actually never read anything in historical fiction about AIDS pandemic either. So, this was new to me. Yeah. So it was a really new topic, and it brought... Um, it just brought AIDS home really hard. And it's not something that I talk about with my kids, um, that I've ever talked to anyone about. So just, just broaching it in general, just in conversation and telling people about the book was just, I approached it in such a different way and more of a personal way than it just being something that I heard about happened can I tell you a funny story about yes. when I first got this book? Yeah. So I Amazon dropped it off on my doorstep and mm-hmm. I got it out and James immediately grabbed it. He's like, mom, I love this book because he loved the colors on the, the cover's awesome. The cover's <laughs> awesome. It's really pretty. It is. And James just like walked around with this book for like a probably a day until he I started reading it. it. And oh I was like, gosh. no, this is my book. <laughs> but, um, it was interesting because he has no idea what it's about or no. how heavy a topic it is. Um, but he, I'm sure one day he's, I'm going to hand it to him and be like, remember this book you thought was so pretty. So yeah. I think you're ready for it now here, right? you know, and we'll, we'll have some really 
Yeah. Heavy life conversations about it. Right. Yeah, which is really cool. So I looked up some um, statistics about AIDS because after reading this um, and kind of feeling the weight of how heavy the loss and how... I, I mean, I don't think I realized how many people died of AIDS. So anyways, I looked up these statistics. This book is about... It um, takes place in the 80s. And in 1987... Um, 46,251 men, um, had AIDS and 4,029 women. And by the end of 1987, 95.5% of those people were deceased. Wow. And you know, that changes this book a little bit for me. Cause I didn't realize it was that high when I was reading it because spoiler alert, everyone who gets AIDS dies. Right. And so as it's happening, you know, I, I almost took it with a little bit of a grain of salt thinking mm-hmm. like, you know, of course everyone's going to die because it's a novel and we're being dramatic, but you read that statistic yeah, and, it, and you're like, no, everyone really, really died. It really was. And the interesting thing too, um, so I like it when, when books have polarized reviews, uh-huh. um, Especially if it's a book that I loved, I'm like dying to know why you hated it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you okay, good reads. <laughs> Lay it on me. Who hated this book and why? Um, and I will say that the people who didn't like it, I was surprised how many people who read this book lived during the AIDS pandemic and lost hundreds of friends, oh. which is wild. So one of the one of the reviews that I read was someone who gave it five stars. He was like, I had to stop reading at page like 145 because I couldn't relive it. I'm going to give this book five stars for broaching something I don't ever want to think about again. Oh. So there's that perspective. Yeah. And then there was also someone who said, um, you know, I lived through this as well. And I actually volunteered. Um, I don't know if she was like a medical volunteer or what, but she said, you know, this for me wasn't an accurate portrait because the lives of the gay community living in Chicago at the time, they were so eclectic and they were so... Um, kind of outrageous, and she felt like this book didn't really tell that story, and I have to disagree with that. What do you think? I can see how she came across that, thinking about Yale, because the main character in this book isn't super outrageous, isn't super no, outrageous. Like, he's not charismatic, he's not outgoing. No, he's actually, not he's kind flamboy- of an, I mean, he's not flamboyant, yeah, like, at all. He's kind of, like... An introvert, and he's just, yeah. he's so just your average guy. Yeah. And I think maybe we have to have a nod to, like, not every gay guy is super flamboyant. Like, right. sometimes, like, you're just your average guy, and you're yeah. gay, and that's okay. And in the yeah. eight, in the 80s, mm-hmm. during the AIDS pandemic, it didn't care about, like, right. if you were part of this really flamboyant scene or not. Like, yeah. you were still part of this really high-risk community. Yeah, and it was such a close-knit community, so... yeah. Like the different parts of the story that really touched me. And one of the first ones I talked to Whitney about was just like the palpable grief and the different ways that people experienced grief and, and carried grief mm-hmm. and, and the grief that never left them. Yeah. I mean, you have Fiona, who is the, the first, um, the first character we meet who dies from AIDS, his name is Nico, and his sister, Fiona, is one of the points of view that we follow through the whole story. And I feel like she doesn't recover from that. No. And 
I liked that because I feel like anyone who has suffered like the loss of an immediate family member, that that would speak to them, that they would understand that that actually isn't a loss that you actually ever move past. You know what I mean? So I, that for me was really like a palpable, a very visceral grief that I like felt and that I had, that I, I was like, yeah, that's what, that's right. But the other interesting thing that like really made me go back in my mind is when they're, and you'll remember this part where they're in the hospital, it's like everybody's kind of vying for first place griever. It's Nico's boyfriend. Okay. What was his name? Oh, the school teacher. Cause he was great too. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, it, it was such an interesting perspective or description of, of family members and friends. And it's not a contest, but it almost is a contest. Like who was the closest and who's most entitled to the grief. And who's entitled to the most grief, (laughs) right? Like a contest, but not. Yeah. Well, a contest that no one wants to say is actually Right? Is actually, yeah. (laughs) And even when they go back to Nico's apartments to like collect his things, because, you know, his family comes in and they didn't approve of his um, homosexuality. And so like they kind of took over and they didn't want any of the gay community to be part of his funeral and all of this. But then they like ransack his apartment more or less, right? Yeah. Because they wanted, they want to take their piece of that. It was almost like they're recovering him from 12 years old. Yeah. When they like disowned him for his lifestyle. Yeah. 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 You know, that's something I loved so much about this book too, is the kind of grief that it was. Because when I read this, you know, Corona was already happening Mm -hmm. and I like... I was excited to read it because it comes so highly recommended from you. And I've never read a book that you gave me that I didn't love. Yay. But <laughs> you hear that podcast listeners keep yes. listening. I loved. Okay. So I was a little nervous though, because like during all this, I haven't enjoyed heavy books as much as I usually do. Yeah. I don't have as much of like, um, I just don't have as much emotional space for someone else's like heavy story. Mm-hmm. As I usually do, and I usually mm-hmm. really like those. But this, I didn't feel like it added to like, like my heavy load at all. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was cathartic. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was almost like I just wanted to cry with Yale. Yeah, he was this wonderful main character, and like kind of wanted him to like cry with me through what I was going yeah. through. You know, yeah, because he was that kind of empathetic character. He's just. I loved him so much as a character, and I actually think about him more than I do like most characters after yeah. I've left a book. Yeah. Just because I feel like he was just so, he could have been Anybody. any of us. Yeah. You know, any of us, any of our neighbors, any of our friends. Mm-hmm. He's just like this kind of quiet, just good guy who's just doing his best and trying mm-hmm. his hardest. And he has his foibles just like the rest of us do, and yeah. some of them I absolutely loved, you mm-hmm. know? Like, no one's gonna go to the Yankees game with me, so I'm gonna go by myself. Yeah, you know, yeah, like good for yeah, you. You yeah. know, just just things where you're like, he's just so personable. Yeah. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting that I kind of read about is um, this sur- this idea of um, being survivors of a lost generation, uh-huh. and 
and how that kind of played out for Fiona, how she's, first of all, I feel like she had a little bit of survivor's guilt because everyone that was so dear to her died, it, but it changes her for the rest of her life. Oh, totally. I thought it was really interesting too, how, um, you know, they, there's this, this part for the listeners where like Yale, he's working for an art museum and he's trying to acquire this collection from a woman who was in Paris right before world war two and went back to Paris right after world war two. And in talking to them, she talks about coming back, but like all the artists were gone because most of them were dead. Mm-hmm. They hadn't survived the war. And I think that, you know, World War II, that's something that is talked about like so much and mm-hmm. so heavily. And we we can understand that loss, mm-hmm. but it kind of mirrors the loss of what was going on in this community in the 80s. Right. And I think that, um, I think that she really uses it as kind of like a way to say like, this is a lens that we understand loss and grief through Mm -hmm. and look how it parallels this situation that maybe we don't give as much attention to. Right. And because of maybe a stigma for how AIDS was transmitted. Oh yeah. Because here in the U S you, how often do you hear AIDS without gay in the same sentence? I know. know. Yeah. So the other thing, yeah, which is so interesting, you know, and that I feel like that stigma has prevented the exploration of this maybe. Oh, I'm sure you're think. right. But the other thing that's interesting about that is that, you know, the eighties is kind of when the gay community started coming together mm-hmm. and building these communities where all of these young, and I feel like, I feel like from everything I know, they were all like 19, 20, 21 year old, 17 year old kids. Yeah. Well, Nico in the book is like 15. Yeah. Who have left families, been disowned, disinherited, you know, because they come out to their family members or friends that they're homosexual and they congregate, they find a place where they're finally able to build a community where they feel like they're accepted, where they feel like they fit. They find a, a community, a new kind of family. And right, you know, when, when gay pride is really starting to come into its own and be something where they feel like equal rights can be fought for. Mm-hmm the AIDS pandemic just wipes the slate. Oh, it was just so heartbreaking. There's a part (laughs) where it talks about kind of that same thing where they're at a gay pride parade and a little bit of reflection of like, who's there and who's not anymore, you know? Yeah. And then even, you know, right after, and I think it's even at that same moment when Yale finds out that there's been a, (gasps) Oh, (laughs) That was such a, I just, I cried so hard. This is such a spoiler. We're not even going to tell you what we're devastated about. You got to read the book. You got to read the book. (laughs) But you, there was like, you were sure this wasn't going to happen. And then it did. And then it did. And everyone had been so careful or had thought they had. had And it just, I mean, so, and I feel like that was like a big hit for me in terms of like what it would have been like. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? The shock. Totally. Can you just, can you imagine the shock of thinking like, I'm so aware of this. I'm so, I'm being responsible. I'm doing all the things that I am supposed to be doing with my partners. I'm taking and, all my precautions. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe not. Well, and even like all of you listeners won't get this until you read the book, but 
in some ways, he's more careful about his partners、yeah. than he is about himself. There's a chapter where someone finds out that they have tested positive, and the chapter is so beautifully written because un- there's two dialogues happening. One is a list of like all these meaningful life experiences that most people have, and that they would like to have, and then personal ones that this person would have liked to have in their life. Just going through in a list, and then in the other dialogue. You are listening to the doctor talk to this person, and it's clear from their conversation that this person is just tested positive. And you realize that the list are lists of things that they would have liked to have that they know they're not going to experience in their life now.、Mm-hmm. And that was just like, it was so so heart wrenching to read that, but it was so beautifully written. And like you said, kind of like. A new thing. It was kind of a new way for me to think about what something like this would be like,、mm-hmm. you know. Because,、yeah. you know, you always hear about people like getting a, you know, terminal diagnosis and say, okay, well, what's on my bucket list? What am I going to do? And it's a very optimistic view, and that's wonderful. But he was realizing these things just won't ever be possible,、mm-hmm. and to like. To mourn the loss of like your own life experiences、mm-hmm. and how heavy that must be. Yeah, and to have watched sort of the decline, the health decline that came with AIDS, to watch your friends go through it and know very personally what it was going to be like. Oh yeah, because it's not like AIDS is an easy death. Oh, it's not a nice. It's、mm-hmm. not a nice way to go, and and that's I think maybe another thing that I hadn't ever really considered. Um. And I remember, I'm a little bit older than Whitney, but I remember when celebrities were being diagnosed with AIDS when I was younger, and to look back on on what that made me think.、Um, part of what I love about talking about books and about this idea of lovely books is that you can take topics. I feel like you can take a topic that would. Cause some people to bristle, and you can talk about it in a way that's meaningful. And I feel like this book did that. Oh, totally. Yeah. So I know there. I know that there are people who, at the the topic of reading a book about AIDS, might bristle. But do you know the thing、beautiful. about? It's a beautifully written, beautifully written book. It is a beautifully written book. And as as far as like topics that would make you bristle, yes, this is definitely like. It's、the gay community in the '80s, you know,、mm-hmm. when AIDS was going around, there like there's a lot of promiscuity in this book. Totally.、Um, but one thing that I really loved about it is that they feel. I mean, it's just it's so human. This、yeah. book is so full of humanity, and I guess this is another. So this is where I think I would take a little bit of issue with the reviewer who said, you know. That this book missed out on like the flamboyancy of the of the gay community in the eighties,、yeah. you know.、Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely a, plenty of that in here, depending on like which character、mm-hmm. you're talking to.、Mm-hmm. But it just so happens that the character that you're following isn't that way,、mm-hmm. and that's okay because every group has their own little like their own culture, their own rules, their own you know、mm-hmm. 
ways that you act and handle yourself, the extent to which everyone acts that way differs depending on the person. And, you know, sometimes it was so fun to read about characters like Julian who were just like so out there and flamboyant. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you follow someone who isn't that way, who's very just kind of introverted. Right. And as someone who doesn't feel comfortable being like the eye of you know the center of attention and everything like I kind of appreciated that I appreciated following Yale like this kind of more quiet person because it made it was just so like relatable and personable to me yeah Rebecca Mackay who you I remember you were telling me when you read this book that you had to keep reminding yourself that it wasn't written by a gay man but it was written by a straight woman that actually bothered me just a little <laughs> bit just I mean I I don't know anything about her I don't know yeah. about her experience she could have she could have been Fiona for all I know you right, know and yeah. she could have all the experience in the world in this but yeah every once in a while I had to go back and be like I can't believe wait it. how real is this yeah. experience because it's not written by a gay man and I kind of wish it was right yeah but I feel like she did a great job I'm sad that it didn't get a Pulitzer Prize. It totally could have. I want him to go back and redo it. <laughs> I just feel like, can you guys get this one another read? Because this was Could just... you reevaluate this? Can we re-release this? I wonder <laughs> if it just wasn't shocking enough. Yeah. Sometimes I think with Pulitzer Prize. I'm a, I'm a Pulitzer Prize lover. Uh-huh. I like my... Because Dirt was a Pulitzer Prize winner, wasn't it? Mm-mm. Oh, it wasn't? Mm-mm. What did it win? It won some... It won something. Yeah. Was good. That was a good one. It was, but you know what? Like, I, I thought about that one and this one together mm-hmm. quite a bit because they're communities that I'm not part of yep. that I can't say that I, like, claim yeah. to understand. Mm-hmm. And I was just so grateful for this window into it and of, yeah. like, someone writing the story and putting it down so I can, you know, get a better feel for, like, what this was, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Have you read anything else lately that you're loving? I think probably because we've talked about I've mentioned it so many times in the same breath. I think I have to recommend American Dirt. I know. Because it was so, like, it was so good. But full disclosure, it was heavy enough that in the middle, I was like, I don't know if I want to be reading this right now. And it wasn't until the end afterwards that I looked back and I was like, dang, that was a really, really so, good book. So, so good. Um, violent and graphic in the beginning. I was just like, oh my gosh. Um, same types of reviews as Great Believers, surprisingly, because the woman who wrote it is not a immigrant. Immigrant. Um, but when you read about her research that she did and like the people she talked to who were like, listen, you have a voice and this is a story that needs to be told. Use your voice. I loved it. Oh, yeah. It hurt me in so many ways that were good. I read a book a couple years ago called Violent Borders. Hmm. Um, and it was okay. The information mm-hmm. it was good, but it was mm-hmm. it was okay. Yeah. But um, this woman who was an immigrant from Africa to Europe who had gotten on a boat and crossed the Mediterranean where so many people die, she says... Um, Like, what people have to understand is that you don't put your child on a boat unless the boat is safer than the land they're on. And knowing how many people die in those waters, like, that must have, that would be a really serious thing. And as brutal as the beginning of American Dirt was, I appreciated it throughout the book because at any moment, if you're ever wondering if, like, all these, like, horrific things they're going through are worth it, 
look at what they're running from. Yeah. Yeah. American Dirt. Okay, thanks, Whitney. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me on again, especially to talk about a book that was just so, so, good. so cathartic. So, so good. good. Loved it. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode of Lovely Books. We'd love to hear what you think about today's topic. Please find us on Instagram and Facebook. Leave your comments. Also remember to like, follow, and subscribe. And I hope you'll join us again next week as we highlight another lovely book.